Isn't that awesome? I just feel like right now I could use a little bit cooler thoughts. You know, so I thought, let's cool these people down with a nice snow climbing mountain theme here. But what I really love the most about that video, that clip, is um, we have to disconnect to connect. And that Josh will be familiar with that one. Um, we'll get more into that here in a minute. But um, my name's Dylan Kitchell. Um, and I am the youth pastor and also the worship director. So you might have seen me around. You may have never heard of me, never seen me, never because your eyes are on the screen and not up here. I get it. Like I'm there too. But um, that's who I am. Um, I'm so blessed my family came to visit. They're on the second row, so don't let them escape without shaking their hand crazily. So my dad and... When my stepmom, grandma, my brother, and my sister-in-law are here to cel uh, celebrate my first um, preaching Sunday. So, how about that? <clears throat> but I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit this morning about Camp Table Rock. It was our senior high um, summer camp here, and we really did have a lot of, of fun. It, camp Table Rock is in Shell Knob, Missouri, and um, I don't know what how large Shell Knob is, because I only went for the camp, but what a weird name. But that's where we went, and it was from June 10th to the 13th. Um, we had a lot of prayer groups praying for us that we would make the journey safely, because it's a four-and-a-half-hour trip, um, and it's quite the road trip. I don't know if you've driven around with a ton of kids in your van, or just, it only takes that one to really make it feel like you've got 20, but... Um, <laughs> We didn't actually have that one on the trip. That's coming up. Uh, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. We made it all the way to the location without any incidents or accidents. And I was driving, so that's, uh, that's something, you know. Let's clap for that. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, we had a lot of prayer. So um, unfortunately, as we go to the next slide here, uh, we will see that once I made it to the location, I found a way on site, on campgrounds to back up. In my defense, we were, I was backing up uphill in gravel. And as I checked all of my mirrors, I was totally in the clear. What I had not seen was a two-foot wall, concrete, um, just, just big enough to give me a good goose egg here on the bumper. And I feel like that was the first accident I've been in since I backed into Taylor's car um, six years ago, a little over six years ago. So I feel like I've I got a pretty good record still. But <laughs> I texted Pastor Paul. I said, oh, my goodness, Pastor Paul, I am so sorry. This is what happened. I took these beautiful pictures you can see um, of the uh, dented bumper. And I said, I'm so sorry. This is what happened. He says, hey, don't worry about it. You guys have fun. We'll get it taken care of when you get back because uh, you won't have a job. Uh, he didn't say that, no. <laughs> um, it, that's why we carry insurance because you have drivers like me, okay? So that's why, they, that's why it was invented. Um, and after we got into this accident, um, Taylor looks at me and she's like, what are we going to do now? And I said, well, we're going to have fun because that's all there is to do. So we've got to just get, get the fun rolling here. Um, so if you want to hit the next slide here, we actually have a picture, one more picture uh, 
for the road. We all got to celebrate that. Oh, one last thing. As I backed up into this wall, Josh comes running up, and he was right behind me. So he got to see the whole thing. And he says, you know, I was really curious which youth pastor backed into that wall. And as soon as I saw you, I thought, not Dylan, though. <laughs> so I said, let the fun begin. And we had so many awesome activities. There was basketball. There was sand volleyball. They had a four-story water slide, which was a lot of fun. Um, they had tons of boats. I think they had six boats all together, and they all did something different. Um, but, of course, there was lake swimming, wakeboarding, tubing, and, of course, my all-time favorite, which was cliff jumping. If you've ever gone cliff jumping, what a rush. You look up at the cliff from the water, and you think, oh, it's not so bad. That's not too high. And then you get up to the cliff, and you look down at the water, and you think, I might just come back down the way I came up. <laughs> well, we, there was an awesome spiritual journey, too. We had um, their, the camp had their very own uh, worship band. So we just kind of came in, and they had everything taken care of, which can be really nice. They had a worship band. The camp director also was the camp speaker, and he had several good messages. We had plenty of growth opportunities um, in worship, prayer, small groups, and uh, small uh, prayer discussion groups that we had in the early morning after breakfast. Um, and if we go down two more slides, we'll see, we'll get to take a uh, personal look. Instead of me blabbing on and on and on about it, we'll get a little sneak peek about what it all looked like at camp. Come and stand before your maker Full of wonder, full of fear Come behold his power and glory Yet with confidence strong near For the one who holds the heavens And commands the stars above Is the God who bends to bless us With an unrelenting love
was awesome. Uh, as you guys can see, it was a fantastic experience um, for the teens that got to go. Um, a lot of the middle schoolers saw, you know, how cool it was going to be, and they were pretty bummed that they could not go to the senior high trip because there are some bigger, um, funner, not funner, but just like, it's just different. It's a little bit bigger, like the four-foot slide and the cliff jumping, of course, but we had a blast. Now, four days before the trip, uh, we actually had, uh, I was trying to figure out everything we needed to get in order, make sure all my ducks were in a row. Pastor Paul had texted me, said, you know, here's a, a, a list. He's so helpful to, you know, he had the list and everything to me two months in advance, it seemed like. Um, I was thinking, yeah, thanks, Pastor. I'll make sure to lose that on my desk somewhere. Um, it was so far in advance, and I just kind of forgotten. And so I'm like four days before, I'm like, okay, let me make sure I, I've got everything here. And uh, wouldn't you know it, there's this thing called the Media Challenge. As soon as I read it, I remembered him telling me about it, but whoops. Next year, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to do it. <laughs> the Media Challenge, I wanted to read it off to you guys. This is off their website, and it says, The Media Challenge is a simple challenge that we issue to every student and adult who plans to attend Camp Table Rock this summer, two weeks before you arrive. Stop watching any television or movies. Stop playing video games, using the internet, YouTube, social media, apps, etc., and listening to secular music. We believe that our culture is so saturated with these things that our hearts and minds are clogged with them, so clogged that we have difficulty hearing from God. Our hearts and minds need to be cleaned out. I remember reading that and thought, whoops, okay, four days before, not quite enough time for the two-week window there. Uh, to go without that. But I remember reading that and thinking, that is such a good idea to really have our youth pull out all of the social media that they're in, all the TV that they watch. I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for uh, these kids to get closer to God because, you know, they do have a lot of distractions. I, I don't think it's any surprise to any of us that we see the younger generations, when we see them walking down the street, they're walking like this. And exactly, amen, it's like holy moly. And then it got me thinking, but, you know, as a leader, I was thinking, that, there's no way I could do that because, you know, my job requires me to be on social media. And, and I've got my favorite Hulu and Netflix um, shows right now, and I, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not really finished with the season. It wouldn't, wouldn't really make too much sense for where I'm at right now, for me to stop watching. Now, if I had finished the show, maybe I could, you know, give it that two weeks. I'd give it my best, but, you know, right in the middle, that's pretty tough to do because I'm really into this. And then I've got my friends on Facebook. There was no way I'd be able to go without Facebook for two weeks. I mean, that's where all of my friends are. That's where I get the, the most juicy information from all of my friends and family, right? But as we arrive uh, on camp, they have these rules against phone uses. That's probably no surprise to anybody because if we let teens have their phones on camp, they would be doing nothing but being on their phones. So we had this rule, and I thought, you know what? I can't in good, uh, I, I can't in good faith have my phone out and be on my phone when no one else has their phone because I'm kind of the leader of this operation. So I should probably 
put my phone in a place where I'm not carrying it around so it's not a temptation, just so the kids can look up to me, and I think I can handle three and a half days. That should be all right. But the craziest part is, through it all, I didn't think I could go without the social media. I didn't think I could go without Hulu and Netflix or my all-time favorite phone game, Clash Royale. If you've ever played that game, I was heavily addicted uh, to that for six years. <clears throat> um, but, you know, we're going to do without it for three and a half days. I'm going to make it. As the camp continues on, forgot all about those things. We were so busy, so just physically exhausted. There wasn't a moment to think about all of the distractions that I had in my life at the time. And as time went on, there was one common theme throughout all the messages that we heard from the camp speaker, and that was we must disconnect if we are to connect. And I don't know if you caught that in that very first video that we saw, not the USA America one, but the one after that. There was a, a small voice that said we must disconnect if we are to connect. Now, this message really had me convinced and honestly pretty convicted. And I feel like I knew in my heart of hearts how often I was on these games on my phone or how often I was on social media or watching TV. And it wasn't that I was on one for like eight hours, but it just so happened that I'd give one hour here, maybe an hour and a half here, maybe two hours because, you know, I'm just home alone. There's nothing to do. And so I, I'm watching this TV show on Hulu. And it, but being at this camp, it made me realize how, how much time I actually give, how distracted I always am. And I feel like being distracted in our society, it's not really that uncommon. Um, you know, just like I said, the younger generation, they're an easy target, right? We can walk around anywhere, downtown or throughout the mall or wherever is a cool place to be. And the younger generation, we see them down on their phones. Easy target. But if we were honest and we looked inward, we could easily begin to see that we all have our own distractions that we like to hang on to. And we don't even think of them as distractions. See, in our society, media is king. And it's worshipped with our time, energy, resources every single day, and we don't even realize it. And you might be thinking, well... I don't really watch TV, I don't play games, but maybe we watch the news. Maybe, you know, we feel like we need to have the latest and greatest information. I mean, it is important to know where we stand in America today, and it's important to know where America stands in the world. What's going on in the war? Who, who's, who's fighting who? What's going on? Are we safe? You know, well, let's find out. Well, let's find out what the right thinks of the left, and the left thinks of the right, and who's the bad guy in this situation? That can be important things to know. And it had me thinking, you know, we give God Sunday mornings, and how many times have we heard that in a Sunday message? You know, you give God Sunday mornings. and But we give God Sunday mornings, and we may even give him a few Wednesday nights, but if we're honest with ourselves, and the key point here is how much time do we give God compared to the time that we give our entertainment or the things that we like to do in our free time, which could be Facebook, it could be the TV, the movies, the music, the video games. And, you know, it's not all that bad. Uh, we, 
We stand behind the central excuse that, well, it's just for entertainment. I, I only play that phone game when I'm in line and I'm waiting, or I'm here to pick up my kid and they're 10 minutes late. I, I got to do something to fill that moment with. But why do we insist to always be entertained? What's with our culture that demands that we be the ones served constant attention? And I think we know the answer. We just don't want to say it out loud is we have been drawn to the point. We have been gotten to this point to where we just do a little, a little over time and we have become addicted. And we, you know, we are addicts. I know, I, I know for sure that I was. But we keep ourselves so busy, so distracted, so consumed, we would never notice. And we must disconnect if we are to connect to God. Um, speaking about God, let's turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Now, if you've been with us in this past uh, few weeks, Pastor Paul has started a sermon series called In View. From the beginning, I didn't know if I would be speaking in that or not, so I told him I was going to do something different. But as time went on and he told me uh, and us as a congregation to really study Romans 12, I started really loving Romans 12. I said, you know what, actually I will do a little thing on Romans 12. So here at the very beginning, Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, and this is the message I'm reading. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And what I really wanted to do is I wanted to, I love this, these verses, and I have been studying them for two or three weeks, and I just, I just could not move on because there was so much depth there for me in my life personally. I wanted to share that with you guys this morning. But I, I thought to myself, what's a, what's a story in the Bible that I could really bring this home and illustrate? Because I want a story, a biblical story that I could use that illustrate the points given in cha uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 in Romans. And I thought of a couple different uh, Bible stories maybe that I could use, but they just... They were almost there, but not quite. And then I came across Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And, you know, I, I bet if you've been in church a few Sundays in your life, you've heard the story, the story of Martha. And this is New International Version because I want to keep you guys on your toes. I'm not going to read the same version twice. No, I will. I'm going to read New International Version again. But. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And I want to stop right there for a second. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... 
I think we see Jesus and his disciples, and, and we just see, oh, so like two guys? No, try like 15, roughly. You know, there was 12, then there's Jesus, and, you know, it's not impossible that there might have been two more, so I just round up to the nearest five, 15. And I don't know about you guys, but if Jesus knocked on my door and there was uh, in total 15 people there, I mean, my house is packed. I mean, there's not really a place for everybody to sit down. But, you know, we, we, I would make it work. I mean, if it's Jesus, we're going to make it work, right? I hope so. Um, and I think straight from the get-go, Martha's really doing a pretty good job. If she's letting 15 or 13 people in her house straight away, she's a pretty good host, you know. Um, she opened up her home to Jesus. And then Mary... Her sister, immediately as Jesus comes in, he begins teaching because that's what he does. And Mary, Martha's sister, sits down at his feet and listens intently, hanging on every single word that Jesus really has to give. But as we continue on, Martha was distracted. See, there was all these things that needed to get done. She was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. You know, I don't think for a moment that Jesus was like, uh, yeah, hold on, disciples. I just got to text Martha and Mary really quick, uh, let her know we're on our way, and we'll be there in 30, 45 minutes so that they can have the preparations ready. They didn't really have that um, iPhone yet, unfortunately. It's too bad. Um, But they didn't have that technology. So guess what? If someone was visiting something, You just went, and you knocked. Okay, we're not ready, but Jesus is here. So there's preparations that need to be, that needs to get done immediately. So what happens? Martha begins preparing. She starts probably doing a few dishes, sweeping the floor. She's got to vacuum the rug that they didn't have. She's got to prepare the, I mean, the food's in the oven. She's, she's cleaning the fridge out. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many things that you realize that aren't done that needs to be done when the king and the savior of the entire world is sitting in your living room. It's like, hold on a second. Is my house really up to code here? You know, I've got the king of kings and the lord of lords here. Is it, should I really, I should probably get things ready to go. So it's up to his standards. But Martha is so distracted by all these preparations. None of those preparations are sins. They're not bad things. They're not bad things to do at all. But as she says, she's, she's in the middle. The, like I said, the food's in the oven. The dishes are getting done. She peeks into the living room and sees Mary on the floor. That lazy Mary. What is she doing? Can't she see that I'm busting it out right now, trying to get it all done? And she looks over and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha's so distracted by all of these things that indeed did need to get done. But Jesus is like, um... Martha, I don't know if you realize this, but I am here physically right now, and it could be 20 minutes. I could be here for an hour, but there is a time coming where I will not be here, and you will not have this moment. And so when I show up, be here, here, as Mary is here, not there. 
Martha was distracted, and like I said, it wasn't inherently bad, yet these not inherently bad things were stealing time away from Jesus, her Savior. Now, as we turn back from Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, again, the message, I wanted to take one more look and really in detail look at verse by verse or sentence by sentence. And the first line is this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. I could not emphasize that anymore. If we try and do these things on our own, we are so out of luck. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday life, your ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, and place it before God as an offering. So the first thing we've got to ask ourselves really is, okay, this is my everyday life. What do I do in my everyday life? You know, we all work hard. We, you know, a, a lot of us, we have to. I mean, we have to make a living for ourselves. We can't just not and then not pay rent, not pay the bills, and then get kicked out. So work is a big part of that. And you work so hard, we really want to relax and unwind and turn on our favorite TV show. Or maybe you're not into TV shows like we discussed earlier, but you want to see what's going on on the news. Or maybe you just want to pull that fun game up on your phone. Or you want to see what's going on on Facebook. What's going on on Facebook? I'm here texting, scrolling, looking, seeing what's going on. What are, what are my friends up to right now? My neighbor's sister's uncle's cousin that does that weird thing, and it's a cool trick. Um, are they still doing that? I don't know. Let's check. But have we ever considered placing it all before God as an offering? Moving on in Romans 12, it says, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you. What am I thankful for? Ask ourselves right now, what am I thankful for? Just the first couple things that come up to your, into your mind. Probably family is one of the top ones. Or Jesus. Or, you know, you know you're, you're, we're thankful for um, our home or our cars or the, the things, the luxuries that God's provided us with. But how do we show God appreciation for these things? Well, we could spend time with him in his word. You know, praise and worship. There's prayer. The next verse here. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And this is really the danger here. I was in the danger zone. So well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it and you don't even realize you're fitting into it. And it had me asking, are my daily habits, forms of entertainment, bringing glory to God? Because I think a lot of times in, the, in my, the, the favorite things that I had, you know, I, I could say to myself, well, they're not bringing glory to God, but they're not necessarily inherently bad. There's nothing really wrong with these things. But are my habits slash forms of entertainment getting more attention than the God I claim to serve. And that was the one that got me. When we were at camp at the senior high, uh, the senior high trip, 
as I trip. Um, when we were there at the senior high trip, the, uh, the speaker had this little thing, and you've probably seen it before. They say, put all of the, all of the things that you like to do in your left hand. And I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about the TV that you like to watch. I'm talking about anything with friends or family or whatever you might do that you like to do for fun. Maybe you're an avid bird watcher. We're going to put that in your left hand. I don't know. Bird watching can be fun. Um, and then in the right hand, we're going to put the things that we do with God, reading the Bible, going to church, praying, praise and worship. And wouldn't you know across the room the thing that weighed the most, because we were doing a weight scale, was our left hand, which had all the fun stuff that we like to do with our time, and then everything in our right hand, the time we should spend with God, was very light. And it had me thinking about this next portion of Romans 12, which is instead fix your attention to God. And as we ask ourselves this next question, can I handle sacrificing the attention that I spend on Twitter or Facebook or all the above? Can I handle sacrificing the attention that I give my favorite pastime thing and instead give that thing as an offering to God. As we move forward, you'll be changed from the inside out, Romans 12 tells us. Can I allow myself to take off any masks that I might be wearing that would show that, yes, I'm doing all the things that a good Christian should do and really focus my heart on making actual, real change that could impact my life, my community, and God's kingdom. One of the last sentences, second to last one, says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Am I prepared to act diligently when Jesus asks for more of him and less of me? Am I prepared to act diligently as Jesus comes to me and asks, how about a little bit more of me, or a little bit less of you, and a little bit more of me, since Jesus said it. And I think to myself, pre-camp, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If Jesus, in a dream, or walked down the street and said, hey, Dylan, can you give me a little bit more of me and a little bit less of you? I said, you got it. What area? What, what are we sacrificing today? But here's the problem. I say that, yet I have this shield around me. I have this shield of, I've got my Facebook, my YouTube, my Hulu, my Netflix. Work, 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 work. My time completely filled to the brim. Phones on the game. My favorite, one of my favorite pastimes, playing Nintendo 64. Where does God fit into all that? So as God is right on the other side saying, Dylan, how about a little bit more of me and a little bit less of you? Shield, boop, it's gone. Don't hear it. Don't see it. It's not in my life. I don't have the opportunity to change because I was waiting for God to come to me, yet I have filled my life with so many distractions that I don't give God a moment to speak into my life.
The last line here in Romans 12, verse 2. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And my last question I ask myself is, am I ready to be the best me that I could be through my Lord Jesus Christ? Because it's there. It's waiting. It's right around the corner. All I got to do is make that decision and cut all of this out of my life to create time for Jesus. Am I ready to be the best me that Jesus intended me to be? Now Luke chapter 9 verse 23 through 24 will be up on the board here behind me. And it says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple. Oh, reference here, Jesus is speaking. This would be read. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants, to follow, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Whoever wants to be my disciple. We have a word we've created, Christian, that a lot of us like to adhere to. We wear it as a badge or pride of honor. I'm a Christian. And what does the world think of that word? Well, they hear that you claim that, you're, that we're Christians and they, and they say, oh, they believe in God. That's it. They believe in God. That's, that's the only requirement to call yourself a Christian in today's world. If you believe in God, you can be a Christian. But Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, he's called us to be more than Christians. He wants us to be his student, his disciple. You must deny yourself. We must deny ourselves and take our cross up daily and follow him. And he says, look, the life that you may have chose for yourself, you're probably going to lose that when you make this decision. So don't make it lightly because I've got a whole other plan for you over here. And it's much bigger. It's much brighter. It's much more than you could ever imagine in your life. God has called us to disconnect so that we can connect to him. See, my distractions have become such a large part in my life. Not only pre-camp did I not want to give them up, I couldn't see my life without them. I went to camp thinking there's no way I could give that stuff up. It doesn't make any sense. I've gone this long in my life doing the things that I like. These are just my, there's nothing wrong with these things. They're not evil. They're not bad. They're not sinful. Heck, they're not an abomination against God. I mean, what's the big deal? They're just my pieces of entertainment. The game on my phone, my favorite TV show, Survivor, which is awesome. Connecting with my friends on Facebook, which is not always fun and always left me angry, and I always wondered why. All of these things that were not bad things were working together as a team to steal all of my time away from what, what, what mattered most to me in my life. And if anybody in here, in this room, would have came to me and asked, Dylan, what's the most important thing in your life? I would have said, my Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, hello. Uh, don't you see kind of what I do for a living? Um, 
That would be the most important. Well, Dylan, that's pretty great. I figured you'd say that. But what's the second most important thing to you? I would say, well, my beautiful wife, Taylor, who I love so dearly, um, she is the second most important. Well, that's great, Dylan. I thought you might say that. What's the third? I would say, yeah, my family, my friends, you know. I love everybody. That's the order. That's the, that's the way we're supposed to have things in order. Yet, if we looked at a closer, a little bit closer, put things under the magnifying glass, and we thought, well, what, what are you doing with all of your time? Is it with the most important thing in your life? Is it maybe the second most important? Where's your time going? Well, actually, my time's on Facebook. Well, actually, my time is on Clash Royale, my favorite phone game. Well, actually, my time is on video games, TV and other social media outlets. We've all heard that actions speak louder than words, but we are always distracted by different forms of entertainment of what point are we looking at the actions we walk out in our daily life? At what point are we looking at those actions that we live in our life and asking ourselves, are the actions of my choices reflections of what is most important to me? Are my choices reflections of what is most important to me? Taylor asked me to share this story before camp. Taylor said, you know, I had already fasted from social media. Fasted is one of those Christian terms. It means you just go without. Um, she went without social media for 60 days, two months. Very impressive. No Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And with that type of sacrifice, you would really expect some huge, monumental growth with Jesus. Yet, admittedly, Taylor only replaced social media with a cleaner house, solitaire, more exercise, and more home-cooked meals. And as her husband, am I complaining? I don't think so. <laughs> We've got to focus on the, the getting rid of these distractions and then being weary of not picking up other distractions. These are all great things. These are not sinful things. Again, these are not things I'm saying you have to cut them out of your life. But what I'm saying is if we are so connected to our favorite pastime and we are disconnected from God, do you think the life that God has for us is ever going to be met in our life? We must disconnect so that we can connect to Jesus. Jesus has called us. And it is a time that we've grabbed these trash bags and put all of this garbage or stuff that we don't need in our lives and throw them in the donation bin. Have a garage sale. Give it away. Because we need to let all this fluff and stuff in our lives go so that we can more live more simply in his word, in his spirit, and in his truth. We need to disconnect from the overconsumption of entertainment. We need to disconnect from the overconsumption of materialistic stuff because we're a little too comfortable. We need to disconnect from our very own selves as Jesus has called us to do. 
to pick up our cross daily, to give up your life so that you may save it, we need to disconnect from our very own selves if we intend to actually ever connect to God. Let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the message that you've given us. We thank you, I thank you for changing my distractions into connections to you. Lord, I pray that we can do that with everyone in this room, that we can rid ourselves bit by bit of distraction and replace it with opportunities to pray, to read about who you are in your word and the Bible and to praise and worship you like you deserve. God, forgive us because we are so busy, we are so distracted, we didn't even know. We didn't even realize it. And of course, we couldn't see it. But God, this morning, as you've opened our eyes, Lord, I just pray that you be with us. Help us keep both of our hands in this holiday season tomorrow. And let us have good quality time with family as we place our distractions in a place where we won't be distracted and we can connect to family, connect to friends, and connect to you. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Hey, love you guys. I hope you go with all of the blessings. God bless you. You guys are dismissed.